Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Scott. My name is Scott. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Scott. Hi. I'm going to do something I've never done at the Century Meeting. I'm going to stand up and share. I've, uh, my neck is killing me. It's the latest gift of benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome, which I'm still going through. But things continue to improve in that department. But I'm not God. There's nothing I can do about it right now. But stand up, standing up helps. Uh, grateful to be here. There's, there's some pictures going around. Um, so I recently shared at the Sunday morning meeting, and I opened up my share with Mrs. Wright and I are officially trying to make a baby. I think some people misheard me and thought I said we're, we're having a baby. We're not having a baby. We're trying to have a baby. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up. The, the other thing is that um, recently I celebrated one year with my employer, and I had my first you know, annual review with my supervisor, and I got exceptional marks down the line. And you know, my supervisor said that you know, it seems like you've been here a lot longer than you've been here because you do everything so well and you just really know the job. And um, she said, there are people who have been here much longer than you and I still worry about them. You I don't worry about. Mm -hmm. And the other thing she added was you know, that I'm manager material. So that was nice. I didn't argue with her, of course. In fact, I actually think she's absolutely correct. I am manager material. And I do do a wonderful job there. And I am more reliable than some of the counselors on my team. And I want you to understand, I don't say this as someone who lacks humility. You know, I don't say this as someone who likes stroking his ego, you know, needing his ego stroked. I say this as someone who... You know, when I came into the fellowship, I didn't have any courage, confidence, or self-esteem. Now I have courage, confidence, and self-esteem. And, you know, I'm not afraid of, you know, putting that courage, confidence, and self-esteem on display if I am around incompetence or if I disagree with someone at work, right? The trick I've learned is that if you sprinkle in a little bit of humility, people can accept you more. So that's something that I, I practice wherever I am. And those are all gifts I got here from this fellowship. So thank you, OA, for that. So I came into the fellowship by accident on Friday, March 2nd, 2001, at age 28. I just turned 47 years old. And that means I've been in the fellowship for over 18 years. When I came into the fellowship, I was so sick, I had to temporarily, temporarily live in a halfway house for the mentally ill. So at this halfway house was an office, and in the office they had an analog scale that went up to 330 pounds. So one day after my second, third, or fourth OA meeting, I went into the office and said, I just joined OA, can I borrow that scale? So I got on the scale, you know, fully clothed, minus the shoes, I believe, and the needle pointed at 315. So my highest known weight is 315 pounds. I'm currently... 126 pounds below my highest known weight. Uh, full disclosure, I, I've been as much as 151 pounds below my highest known weight. Um, when I came into the fellowship, my pants waist size was 44. These days, my pants waist size is 33 or 34, depending on the pants. Full disclosure, I have a pair of pants that say 35 waist. I have a hard time passing up a good deal. 
<laughs> Full disclosure again, I have a pair of pants that say 38 on the waist. They're mislabeled, this should say 34. And I have a hard time passing up a good deal. So, um, you know, when I came into the fellowship, I was on the medication for depression. I was on the medication for general anxiety disorder. I was on the medication for both Tourette syndrome and obsessive compulsive disorder. I was on the medication for high overall cholesterol. I was on the medication for high blood pressure. And I was on three medications for psoriasis. So age 28, I'm on eight different medications, right? You know, one of my uh, earliest memories of the Century meeting, you know, this is probably 2003, maybe 2004, so I was still kind of new. And I'm sitting in the back row over there, not too far from the exit. And, you know, sitting next to me is the artist formerly known as Mrs. Wright. And the speaker that night, someone who I deeply admire to this day, he said that, once he gave up sugar and flour, his depression and anxiety went away for good. And I remember after the meeting, I'm speaking to the artist formerly known as Mrs. Wright, and I'm incredibly angry. And I said to her, that guy's lying. That's not possible, right? The fact of the matter is that A, I was incredibly jealous and envious of his gift. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, what he shared that night went against every single narrative that I've been told about treating mental illness, right? Um, you know, in OA, you know, OA doesn't take a stance on any issue. OA doesn't take a stance on medications or mental illness or, you know, nutrition or medicine or psychiatry. You know, what we do here at OA is we share our experience, strength, and hope with a special focus on how we got to the solution of our problems, you know, using the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, and the nine tools of recovery of OA. So one of the things I struggled with a lot back then, and this is something I kind of secretly struggled with for the first 10 years that I was in the, in the program, is that I was incredibly jealous of a lot of people's recovery, especially some of the men in the rooms. I was incredibly jealous and envious. The other thing I struggled with is I had a hard time believing that certain tiny actions made such an impact on people who are in recovery. Right, like this guy sharing about sugar and flour, his depression and anxiety going away. I had a really hard time buying that, right? You know, I say all the time in meetings that, you know, the greatest gift I've gotten from OA is the gift of an open mind. With most things, I was open-minded when I was new. But with some things, like with that guy I shared that night, you know, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly in the open mind department, right? And it's funny, you know, here I am, I'm at the Century Meeting, I'm speaking at the Century Meeting like he was 15 years ago. You know, I'm 47 years old, it's the year 2019, and I can honestly tell you that I have been 100% depression-free since May of 2005. I have been 100% OCD-free since June of 2012, and I have been 100% anxiety-free since April of 2014, right? You know, without therapy or medications or shock treatment or surgery or exercise or doctors, just by practicing good nutrition, A, and having an open mind, B. Um, you know, three weeks ago, I suspected I had a blood clot. There was something going on in my right leg, around my knee and thigh. So it's like, well, wait a second, that can't be right. You don't understand. I'm the guy who has a reputation for being really healthy. Not me. 
Um, and it's like, you know, lighten up, Francis. You're not all that, right? I'm not God, right? So I shut the hell up and got over myself and I researched it, researched it and I indeed had a blood clot. But thanks to the gift of an open mind, which I got here in OA, I looked into alternative ways of treating it, and it was gone 11 days later. So once again, thank you, OA, for the gift of an open mind. Um, you know, there are all these triplets in 12-step recovery. For example, if you look at the, the, the shortened version of the serenity prayer, there are three parts, right? Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, part one. Part two, courage to change the things I can. And part three, wisdom to know the difference. And then there's experience, strength, hope. And then there's what I was like, what happened, what I am like now. And then there's honesty, open-mindedness, willingness. And then there's physical recovery, emotional recovery, and spiritual recovery. If you took the first third of all those triplets and lined them all up, they'll go together perfectly. If you took the middle third of those triplets and lined them all up, they all go together perfectly. If you take the final third of all those triplets and line them all up, they all go together perfectly. I mean, I, I've never heard this stated in a meeting before. You have to forgive me. I think about this stuff a lot sometimes. But, um, you know, looking at honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, and then physical, emotional, and spiritual, it's clear to me that the emotional part of recovery is all about, you know, having an open mind, right? In fact, two-thirds of the 12 steps are solely about the emotional part of recovery. Um, you know, I shared this at the, at the Sunday morning meeting recently, so you have to forgive me if you heard this before, but, you know, I am the author of several great works of fiction that I store in my head at the Library of Scott, right? Some of these great works of fiction include, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm not good enough, I'll never get married, I'm not worthy of grad school. And have I mentioned I'm ugly, right? But there's another great work of fiction that, I, that I've authored as well, and that's, I'll never, ever, ever be fully self-supporting to climbing outside contributions. You know, and that's something that I also secretly struggled with for a long time. It's something I rarely told any of my then 10 sponsors, right? It's something I kind of kept to myself. There was a lot of shame attached to that. You know, when I came into the fellowship, I was a beneficiary of Social Security Disability Insurance, SSDI. When I came into the fellowship, I was a beneficiary of Supplemental Security Income, SSI. You know, when I came into the fellowship, I was a beneficiary of Medicare. When I came into the fellowship, I was a beneficiary of Medi-Cal, which is Medicaid in California. And when I came into the fellowship, I was a beneficiary of Dentacal, which is the dental version of Medi-Cal. So 28 years old and legally disabled thanks to the long-term consequences of, you know, depending on man-made junk food, right? <laughs> and then as the years went on, you know, I became a beneficiary of food stamps on two different occasions. I was a beneficiary of all these free services on, the, on different colleges and universities I attended. And then I became the beneficiary of two different subsidized housing projects in San Francisco, right? You know, I just celebrated nine years of abstinence. The, in, during the first two years of this current abstinence, I went to over a thousand meetings. 
many of those meetings were open AA meetings, and many of those open AA meetings took place at the dry dock in the Marina District of San Francisco. One night, I'm speaking to a guy who was there for drug and alcohol addiction, and I had seen him around earlier that week, and I think he noticed me too. So after, I think, a 10 p.m. meeting, we're out front um, talking. And don't do that, by the way. The marina doc always makes an announcement. Don't interrupt, you know, bother the neighbors out front. Don't smoke and talk out front. Anyway, we're talking out front, and, <laughs> and um, he said to me, you know, I have the greatest job I've ever had in my life right now. I'm making the most money I've ever made. I'm really happy. I work at a carnival, he said. I said, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm really happy for you. A gift of recovery. And he said, but I think I have to quit my job. I said, why? You're making all this money. You're happy. You have a good job. He said, because if I make too much money, I think I'm going to lose my SSI benefits. And in my head, it's like, God damn. You know? It's like, thank God I heard that. Because here's the thing. You know, another gift I've gotten from OA is similar to the gift of self-esteem and confidence, and that I now trust my five senses, and that's a big one. Um, back then, I was kind of feeling things, but I didn't feel confident enough to kind of tr tr trust my five senses. But there was a part of me that kind of knew what he was talking about. Now, he didn't know that I was on SSI at the time, and he didn't know that I was kind of struggling with being fully self-supporting and declining outside contributions. And then here's the capper. He said to me, next, the SSI benefits feel like another kind of addiction. It's like, oh, man. So, you know, 10 months ago, I moved out of San Francisco, right? I moved out of San Francisco for two reasons. One is outside issues, which I won't share here. And the other is because I wanted to be fully self-supporting and declining outside contributions for the first time in my life, right? You know, I had long let go, mostly voluntarily, all the other government benefits I had been receiving. And by the way, I am not against government benefits, but the way I used them, I was overly dependent on them. I used them as an excuse to not grow up, right? I came into OA a big boy, and now I'm a grown man. It's time, it's time for some more recovery. I used the government benefits as an excuse to not grow up, and I believe that they kind of stunted my recovery here in OA, probably delayed, the, delayed it for a couple of years at least. So, you know, Mrs. Wright and I are slowly approaching 16 months together. And, you know, early in our relationship, you know, she would come over. I was ashamed of where I lived, but she didn't judge me for that, thank God. And, you know, she talked about doing a sleepover sometime. And I said, well, they have rules in my building. You know, if, if you want to sleep over, I have to fill out, fill out a form first. And then I have to get permission from the property manager, who's a dude younger than me. And then if he okays it, you have to show up with a valid ID, driver's license, or passport. And then you can sleep over. I'm sorry, but at the time, I was a 46-year-old man, and that is humiliating. Right? I'm not a 10-year-old kid. I don't need to ask some guy to have my girlfriend sleep over. Give me a freaking break, right? And, you know, the way I view Tradition 7 these days, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, is, um, you know, you could have free stuff or you could have freedom. Mm -hmm. And 10 months ago, I chose to have freedom for the first time in my life, right? But, I mean, it was really difficult because here's the thing. 
even though I let go of all the other government freebies. I mean, I was holding on to this one for a reason. And, um, you know, I think there was a part of me that was afraid of, you know, diving in uh, to the rest of life without that safety net. But that's the problem, right? I overly relied on this. Um, you know, it was one of those things where it felt reliable. It felt safe. It was going to protect me. You know, when I was growing up, I was disappointed by a lot of adults. You know, on occasion, I was disappointed by my dad. On many occasions, I was disappointed by the parents of friends I had. You know, I was disappointed by a lot of my teachers. I was disappointed by many of my healthcare providers. At least the government benefits weren't disappointing me. Yeah, there were consequences, but hey, they were there, they are reliable, I could count on them. It's funny because it sounds just like the food. There are consequences to the way I used to eat, but at least I could count on it. At least it was there, at least it comforted me, at least it felt safe, at least it was familiar, right? Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, for the last six years of my time in San Francisco, I lived in the middle of the Tenderloin District. And if you don't know, the Tenderloin ain't so tender, right? I lived a half a block west of Glide Memorial Church. And if you don't know that 300 block of Ellis Street, it is a mess. There's human feces all over the place. There's animal feces all over the place. The entire block and then some smells like urine. Now I'm talking about top-notch grade-A urine if you ever need any. I mean, there are people humping each other. There are people forcing dogs to hump each other so they can sell the puppies. There are people shooting up drugs. There are needles all over the place. There are people just wandering into, the, into, the, into traffic. I mean, the place was a mess. You know, and I lived in this funky studio apartment, and you know, a lot of the residents there did not like me for whatever reason. And even the property management and the maintenance people seemed to not like me very much even though I paid my rent on time, in full, every time, even though I dressed well, even though I spoke well, even though I worked, even though I was in graduate school, you know, even though I had a car, if that means anything. You know, for, for whatever reason, they didn't seem to like me because I was dependent on that. So I had a hard time um, with that situation. Um, thankfully, I now have freedom. Right, Mrs. Wright can sleep over in my one-bedroom apartment in Concord, and we don't need anyone's freaking permission. No permission slips, you know, no begging to the babysitter or anything. I now have freedom, and I'm really grateful for that. I want to talk about service a little bit with my last five minutes. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of responsibility growing up. I mean, the last couple years living at home, and we're talking about age 28, 29, 30, I voluntarily offered my parents to pay some rent because I was embarrassed to be a 28-year-old dude not paying my parents' rent. Um, I had very little to be responsible for growing up. Um, I learned here in OA how to be responsible. You know, I currently attend a meeting every Sunday night in Oakland at Kaiser Hospital. I attend a meeting every Tuesday night at Walnut Creek in Kaiser. Oh, clearly I'm not there tonight. I will not be there next week either because we're moving to a different location in Walnut Creek two weeks from tonight. And I go to a regular meeting on Sunday mornings. It's an hour and a half long in Pleasant Hill. On Sunday nights, I'm a co-secretary. On Tuesday nights, I'm the treasurer. And on Saturday mornings, I'm the secretary. I also still have my e-media committee uh, duty here in OASF. Whenever there's an audio recording of a speaker, 
I get those texted or emailed to me. I listen through, I make notes, I edit out any noise. Don't worry, I'm not you know, um, censoring your shares. I then convert the file to something friendly to our website or, or, or our host. And I then upload it and then I do a, a title and a, and a summary and all that good stuff. I really enjoy that service commitment. You know, I'm a professional procrastinator, a procrastinator. <laughs> and I'm very proud of the fact that I get those audios turned around in less than 48 hours onto our website. We currently have 151 speaker podcasts available 24-7 at oasf.org, iTunes, or your favorite podcast playing app on most mobile devices. I sound like an advertisement, so, um, but that's a service I really enjoy. I currently have two full-time sponsees. One of them calls me at 4 p.m. every Sunday. We talk for 30 to 60 minutes every week. Another one calls me at 5 p.m. every Sunday, and we talk for 15 to 30 minutes each time. I also have a part-time sponsee. He emails me his food and activity level daily. Or in the perfect world, he would email me his food and activity level daily. It's not a perfect world, so he doesn't. Um, if it was a perfect world, we, have, we wouldn't need OA, right? But service taught me how to be responsible. And secretary in these meetings, I mean, I learned how to show up for myself and for other people. I learned how to be humble. If I don't know something that's going on in a meeting, how to do something, a business meeting, I have no problem taking it to you and telling me how to do it, right? And that's something I learned here doing service. Well, I think I am done. Thank you for listening. I feel like I'm at home. I really miss this meeting. I was telling my sister beforehand that there's another new thing I miss about San Francisco. I miss riding my bike here. Loved riding my bike in Golden Gate Park along the Great Highway around the zoo and SF State. I used to do these epic long bike rides around the city. Epic to me. And I really miss that. In Concord, we have the Iron Horse Trail. It goes from Concord to like San Ramon. Um, the Concord Strip is not that attractive. I usually take my bike in the car and start at Pleasant Hill. And then I'll do about 15 miles towards San Ramon and back. But that's not San Francisco. And I really miss the fellowship here. You know, I, I'm starting to feel kind of accepted at some of the meetings I go to regularly. But... Nothing like here. You know, I have, an, I have a history of being impatient, right? I think that I need, to be in, I need to be more patient with that. And the thing is, you know, this is like the rest of life. I, I get out of it what I put into it. And for a long time, I wouldn't speak to anyone after meetings in the East Bay, just like I didn't do it here. And then I'd whine to my sponsors about why no one here talks to me or no one here likes me. It's because I wasn't taking any action, right? I'm not, I can't just snap my fingers and magic happens, right? I can't pray hard enough and then I get what I want. That's what I used to do in OA. I used to pray often and hard enough. This is what hard enough looks like. You clap and you go like this. <laughs> that looks like it's, it's hard. But I wasn't willing to take any actions. It's no wonder nothing was happening, right? Nothing was changing. So, all right. Thanks for listening.